Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon. And in today's episode, we're talking with Paul Chase. And uh, I've been looking forward to this interview for quite a while now. Paul, Paul's a client of ours. We've worked closely with him for, uh, I guess, over a year now. And, um, and Paul's a, a realtor in the Pennsylvania area. He's got over 13 years of experience focused on uh, working with flips and, and foreclosures and all kinds of kind of non-traditional uh, residential real estate. But what's really interesting is that over the last year, he has completely flipped his business model around and he is doing some really interesting things with private money lending. And uh, Paul, welcome. And I can't wait to talk with you about what you're doing and, and how you're unstoppable in your business. Well, thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Now, you know, what's, what's been really interesting to watch over, over this last year is how you have, you know, you've had this successful real estate practice. And then uh, about six months ago, you just sort of probably I can picture it. You just sat up in bed one day and you said, no, we're going to do something totally different. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you got started with private money lending and, and explain to folks what that is. Okay, sure. Uh, what it is, we'll take those questions in reverse order, but what it is, is it's when private individuals or companies that aren't banks or financial institutions lend money to other people or to other to other like LLCs or other companies. So the financial institutions are completely out of it. Um, the most common example of private money is when mom and dad or grandma lend money to their kids to buy their first house. That's where I usually see it. Um, in the real estate investment world, it's where a company or private individuals loan money to people who want to flip houses. So they'll put up the money to, to acquire the house or to pay for the rehab. And then they get uh, the bar or the lender gets its, his money back plus interest when the house sells. So this is a new thing for you. You've been doing it about six months. And I know just throughout this transition process that you've run into a number of roadblocks. There's a lot of regulatory uh, hurdles that you've had to go over. Um, and then just, you know, taking it to market, there've been some hurdles. When you've run into those things, how, what's your approach to, to moving past them? How have you found in terms of ways of thinking or, or approaches to, to move past some of those roadblocks? I think a big part of it was just a, a lot of dedication to um, this is what we need to have happen and we needed to get it done. I, I think a lot of that was developed in my background as a realtor in almost every real estate transaction, especially when it comes with investment property or more creative deals. Uh, there's always seems to be some weird unanticipated thing that pops up. And so you simply ask what has to happen to make this problem go away or how do we get over this hurdle? Um, so you talk to the powers that be and they say, this has got to happen or that's got to happen. And then we make it happen. So when I started talking to people about starting my own private lending company, they said, what you're talking about is a fund and you're dealing with notes and debt. That makes it a security. That means you're going to have to make friends with the SEC. Oh, joy. Well, I can imagine when you heard that, um, I mean, 
that's not the first thing most people think when they want to go into a new business that let me go into something where I've got to deal with the securities and exchange commission, right? No, it was, I was really, I spent uh, almost a month trying to figure out a way not to have to do that. And the other hurdle is, is I couldn't go out and just talk to a lot of the people I know that were not accredited investors because the SEC guidelines and the way that they were or that the way that they are, we had to go talk to accredited investors only. I couldn't go talk to, you know, my friends, my family, Joe, the plumber down the street. Uh, so that was a whole new world for me. And that took quite a bit of just an attitude adjustment in my part to say, okay, this is a hurdle. There's no way around it. I'm going to have to embrace it as opposed to fight it. And let's work with it and figure out what we got to do to make it happen. And in watching you go through this, it, it's been pretty impressive to watch because the hurdles that have been thrown in front of you are not small hurdles. And to, to watch you kind of one by one take them and say, okay, that's the next thing. And really in a matter of um, just a few months, you were able to move through what is really a pretty complex process. Um, can you talk a little bit about the approach you took to just to persevere through that? Well, a lot of it was, again, just being committed, but it was, okay, if I'm going to have to go out and meet um, accredited investors and people who were doing that, it goes back to really what you taught us in, in your book and that identify who those people are. So to say accredited investor, that's great, but more specifically, who are they? Uh, and I focused on entrepreneurs um, and even a subset of that was on real estate agents just because those were people that I knew and had, at least I knew their world. Uh, may not know them personally, but I knew their world and because we share that common bond uh, of real estate, that was a group I thought I had an in with. So then it became, how do I reach out to them? How do I reach out to other business owners? And where do they hang out? It's all that process that you go through in your book. And we found ways to make it happen. We started working with LinkedIn as opposed to Facebook because entrepreneurs don't spend a lot of time on Facebook. They're really not playing whatever that silly farm game is. But they're out there on Facebook, they're networking, and they're making things happen. So I need to run in those same circles. What I love about this is at each stage, you sort of looked at the situation and, and kind of crafted a solution to, to take yourself forward and, and through really a, a, a pretty big change here. So when we come back, I want to talk with you about this new business, about what you're doing and, uh, and, and specifically uh, about how it applies to other business owners. And so for everybody else, hang on, we'll be right back and we'll hear more from Paul. Take care. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. All right, we're back with Paul Chase. And uh, Paul, you know, one really interesting insight is how you've reached out and used other resources and other experts. Can you talk a little bit about how you've 
pulled in the expertise of others to, to move yourself forward in this process? Sure. Early on, I recognized that I didn't have all the expertise that was going to be needed to get through this process. I had no dealings with the SEC, no experience with them. So I found a company that would help me form um, all the paperwork and walk me through the filing process. And we were at a one of the meetings in Orlando when somebody mentioned Josh Turner and his experience with LinkedIn. So I looked up Josh Turner and ended up hiring him and his company to help me with all of the LinkedIn marketing. So it's been a real godsend. And along with the unstoppable CEO and the resources that you've provided and the people that I've met through you in that I don't have to know everything. I just have to be able to find the people who are experts in that field and bring them into my organization, not as employees, but more as a consultative role or a coaching role. And that's been a really big, big help. That's a great shortcut. That's a great shortcut. So tell us a little bit about the, the business that you've started, uh, Chalenko Funding. And, um, and I'd like to hear about really what, what was the motivation for starting it? Where did it come from? Because it's not every day that somebody wakes up and says, I'm going to start a private money lending fund. Um, sure. My, a few years ago, my wife's company uh, was bought out and as such, her stock options got liquidated and we found ourselves with a con- fair amount of cash. Uh, so we ended up paying off some debt and getting rid of some, and you know, some other things that just needed to be done from a personal financial standpoint, but we still had quite a bit of cash left over. And so we just, we decided we wanted to invest in real estate, we wanted to stay away from wall street. Uh, Cause at that time who knew what was going to happen? We still don't know what's going to happen with wall street. And we also knew that we didn't want to deal with the tenants and toilets and trash, the infamous three T's of being a real estate investor with uh, income property. But we didn't really know for sure just what we wanted it to look like. And then I got an email from a former business associate who said he knew somebody who was buying rental property, but he was looking for a private money loan. And the terms were fantastic. It was over 9% over amortized over six years. Um, the property he was putting up as collateral was local. So my wife and I drove by, made sure that there really was a front door there. And I used my real estate experience and resources to verify the value of the property and the rental income and decided that this is almost can't miss money. Um, the numbers worked for us. So we invested a little over 20, about $25,000 of her cash. And she was a little skeptical. Actually, she was a lot skeptical. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. How did you guys deal with that? It was that in the grand scheme of things, if we lost the money, it would hurt, but it wasn't going to be a backbreaker. We could survive it. And I said, look, it, let's just try this one. Let's see what happens. Um, and she said, okay, because my wife is very financially conservative and she's not really a risk taker. So let's see what happens. And then we ran into a little, the borrower was running the, uh, was borrowing from his or using his IRA to invest, uh, to borrow the money. So it was the IRA we were loaning money to. And the first month we had a little bit of an issue in that checks, the, the check we were expecting was a little late. And it turned out there was some confusion between the borrower, he and his family, and the IRA as to who was supposed to send us the check. 
We tracked it down. They said, everything is great. We'll send you a check. And two days later, we actually had two checks, uh, one from them and then one from the IRA. But ever since then, the IRA fund has been sending us checks dutifully every month. They're in our mailbox by the 5th, usually even a, a few days early. And we just, my wife said, this is really cool. We're getting checks in the mail. They, they just sh magically show up. Yeah, usually it's the other way around, just getting <laughs> them out to go out, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and so we decided, you know, hey, let's try another one of these. So I contacted the associate who said, you know, who turned us on to this first one. And he said, well, because he, um, he does turnkey rentals, he has very high capital demands. So he said, how much money do you want to loan out? We said, let's try 35000 He said, I'll tell you what, I've got 50 some odd rental properties and I'll give you a note against those properties for that 35000 at 10%. And we said, you know, that's awesome. I knew him. I knew his business. Somebody I'd been doing business with as a realtor for years. So we did the deal. And all of a sudden, a second check started showing up. Now I've got two checks I've got to take to the bank. Wow, this is cool. Let's do it again. It's a really tough problem to have, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I've got to go to the bank to deposit money once a month. Um, Let's do it again. We did it again and again. Now we're up to like four checks we've got to deposit. And I've almost got my house payment paid for. So um, just about, we were just about to the point where my mortgage, somebody else was paying my mortgage payment, um, which that had a huge impact on our personal finances. Freed up quite a bit of money. And then we decided, okay, I've got money over here. I've got money over here on side B, but that's all of our investment portfolio is all wrapped up in just two people. Well, I don't think anything's going to go wrong. What happens? Heaven forbid, if something does, we need to expand. So I contacted another uh, former client of mine who flips houses. We let him know what he, what we were doing, what we were looking to do. He said, hey, I've got this project over here that we're looking, um, that we've got going on, and I really don't want to sink, sink my money into it because I've got other things I could be doing with my money. I'll rip, could I borrow 20 grand from you? Worked out the deals, made sure again that there was a front door there, did the underwriting to make sure the neighborhood and potential sales prices and all of that, and we said, sure. We did that deal. Now I've got like five checks showing up a month, once a month coming from three different borrowers. Um, the, the only challenge we had is pretty soon we ran out of our cash to invest just because it was all out on the street. We had no problems. The checks were coming in, you know, routinely. Um, a lot of our borrowers were simply asking to renew their notes um, because as their projects get completed, as opposed, we just renew the note and change the, the collateral and the checks just keep coming in. So they are now really good friends of ours. We're, they, the checks keep coming in and we decided that, you know what, brokeraging real estate is okay. You can make a lot of money at it, but it's not as fun as lending money and just collecting the checks and driving to the bank once a month. This is far more profitable and it requires far less work. Yeah, I love it. Well, and what I like about what you've done is, is you've started to solve one of the big problems in 
professional services, you know, for you to make money as a realtor, you have to put time in. There's really no other way around it, right? You've got to be doing transactions and, and to a large extent that requires your personal time. What you're, what you're doing is you're taking some of the profit from that. And I know initially you used some, some other funds, but you know, you, now you're taking some of the profit from what you're doing in real estate and you're able to move it over and kind of extract it from the business. And for a lot of folks in professional services, it's, you know, they look for ways to do that because, it, you know, this type of business can be pretty lucrative. It can be high profit because there's usually very low overhead. But then once you've got the profit, what do you do with it? So people either invest it back in the business, which is, it's not a bad thing to do. Um, but, you know, there's also a lot of merit in taking some money off the table and putting it elsewhere and having other streams of income. Um, and there aren't a lot of really good options for that. There's, you know, buy and hold rental real estate. Certainly there's, there's, you know, the stock market and, and the wall street deal, but that's fairly unpredictable. So what I find most interesting about this is this is a, a way to do that, this, that, that probably a, a lot of people aren't aware of. And, and I love the, the shift that it's created for you in, uh, in the way that you think I, you can see it and I can hear it in talking with you. And when you, when you talk about having your money pay you, you, you really, you know, you, you light up and you go, yeah, this is the way I want to be going forward. Well, I think what is so cool about the example I use when I tell people why I did this is years and years and years ago, uh, Dunkin' Donuts had a commercial where the store owner was coming in at three o'clock in the morning. He was trudging into the shop in the pre-dawn hours going, got to make the donuts gotta make the donuts gotta make the donuts and i know that there's a lot and that's the way i felt as a real estate agent because it was always we'd get one deal started and before that one was was finished was always got to go find the next transaction got to go find the next seller got to go find the next buyer so there's always that pressure of i've got to go find my next client because once a house was sold or you know was purchased or whatever that deal was done and it would be seven or nine years before those people were coming back. Um, so you had to have a, a client base that was huge. Um, and you're always out there prospecting, always looking for that next deal. And with this, we decided, found that we, we're not having to always go out and find that next deal. Actually, deals are coming to us. My challenge is finding the money to go do the deals. And that's one of the reasons we started this is I can help other people, other entrepreneurs and successful professionals work towards their retirement. And we can find ways for them to invest 401k money or IRA money or personal money that isn't tied to the fickleness of Wall Street and checks just keep showing up. And we're getting, um, they're getting really good returns anywhere from eight to 10%. And they're back, these loans are backed by tangible assets. We looked at, I looked for alternatives for short-term investing. And that's really what this is. Almost every short-term investment either goes, go buy stocks with the intention of flipping them, which means you hope that they market value raises. Uh, if you're a day trader, okay, maybe you hope that Donald Trump's going to tweet about Boeing <laughs> and the, the stock market's going to tank, or at least that, that stock is going to tank. But that's unpredictable. You don't know for sure that that's going to happen or there's no level of a surety. The only other short-term investment that's out there is some form of lending. You can buy bonds. Our corporate bonds are backed maybe by an asset, 
but you're getting just a portion of it. Uh, government bonds are backed just because the government says they can raise taxes, but the returns are so ridiculously low on even those bonds. So we found a way to be a lender similar to a bond, uh, but has a tangible asset that you can go out and look, see, touch, feel, run around and bare feet in. Um, and it's worth, you know, it's worth more than what we've got into it. Well, and, and really you've extended the, from the business that you were in, you've, you've taken the expertise that you had in real estate, which allows you to vet these deals pretty thoroughly. And, uh, and you've just built on top of that. So, uh, it's just been fascinating to watch. So, um, Paul, I have one final question for you, and then I want to make sure that we let everybody know where they can find you. So um, I'd like to know, what, what's the book you're reading right now? What's the book I'm reading right now is, um, I just finished Josh, Josh Turner's book. And... That's Connect, correct? That, that is Connect. Um, Connect by that, Josh That Turner. was an eye-opener. And who is the book I'm reading right now? It's a book about the future of technology. Um, I'll have to get you the name and the title. Um, but it's actually scary because he's talking about how the internet has completely changed business and not just has changed business, but where the business model is going. Because you're seeing that, we're seeing this today where um, Zillow, or not Zillow, Facebook and Google are actually directing the information that we see because they have so much, and they have so much data on everybody who uses the internet. They're developing algorithms to predict the data you want to see, and that's what shows up. So if you Google Steve Gordon and I Google Steve Gordon, we could potentially get two different things. Yeah, um, very much so. Yeah, and you yeah. can see that play out. Uh, as you as you search for things so it's really kind of scary to say that the information that we're gathering is directed by an artificial intelligence so for me my next step is to say how can i take advantage of this artificial intelligence for my profit i'm not sure how to do that yet but that's <laughs> what i'm reading <laughs> Well, get us that, uh, that title and that link. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, so how can folks uh, find you if they want to find you and learn more about what you're doing? Um, it's probably easiest to find me on LinkedIn. Um, that's uh, just Paul Chase or Chilenko Funding. I've got a new website that's under development, which is ChilencoLending.com, and that should be available here sometime after the first of the year. And so how, how, do, uh, how do you spell that just for folks who might be looking to find it? Chilenko is C-H-A-L-A-N-C-O. It stands for, it's a squished form of Chases of Lancaster County. Oh, there you, there you go. Um, so they can find you there. They can find you on LinkedIn. We'll put links in the show notes to your, your LinkedIn profile and to the site once it's up and, uh, and uh, folks can reach out to you there. Paul, it's been great having you on. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Take care. Appreciate it, Steve. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.